Welcome to Cleveland's newest and Cleveland's best sports podcast. This is Two Guys in a Mic with your hosts Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Let's go. Hey, what's going on, Cleveland? Coming to you, as we say around these parts, from the best location in the nation, Cleveland, Ohio. Here I am, Ron Pierce, uh, one of your hosts on uh, Two Guys in a Mic. Sean couldn't be with us today. Big Sean Davis, my homie. Love him. Uh, he couldn't make it today, but uh, I'm here. So let me lay out, this is our first episode, so let me lay out a few of the ground rules, uh, as well as some of the uh, housekeeping uh, deals around here. First of all, as I said, my name is Ron Pierce. Uh, I go by a few names, um, a few names that people know of. <laughs> I'm sure I go by a few names that people kind of mumble under their breaths, and sometimes they shout out loud, too. But uh, I go by uh, RP. You can call me RP, which is which is great. Uh, my family and people who have known me for a long time, they also refer to me as Peanut, which I'm fine with as well. But that's usually a family thing. So if I don't know you that well, uh, I won't say that you can't call me that, but it's just usually one of those weird angles. Like, I don't know you that well, homie. RP is actually more preferable. It's kind of a grown-up name. Or Ron. I'm good with that, too. Um. So what we have here is a sports podcast, man. I'm I'm a a plethora of information. I got a ton of it. And I just come here to uh kind of open up my floor to let some of this stuff out, man. I I, I got to let it out. My wife, she doesn't always <laughs> she doesn't always prefer to listen to my banter. But uh you know, I'm here to uh just get my opinion, my angle. Uh, as I explained it before, I'm just an old guy with a hot dog and a beer. That's it. That's me, you know. Um, so as I come to you today, I'm, I'm all Cleveland all the time. So we'll always have some Cleveland talk. We'll always have some Cleveland news, some Cleveland sports information at some point and at some time. Um, the depths of which we reach to just kind of depends on the topic. But we will also talk about the national uh, spectrum as well. That won't be something that's too far off. So what I do is just encourage, or what I will do rather, is just encourage you guys to listen up, listen in, and uh, give me your thoughts, give me your feedback, man. Because we can always change that format or at least switch it up to something that you guys are a little more capable of dealing with. However, it's my show. And it's also Sean's show. So, as far as we go, it's our house. Kind of got to live by our rules if we don't see uh, your opinion. But that doesn't mean that we don't appreciate your opinion. It doesn't mean that we don't like your opinion. Please, give us the feedback, would you please? All right. So, today, we shall start. Again, I'm a big Clevelander. I'm born and raised in Cleveland. Love Cleveland. Uh, I'm a huge Cleveland fan. I love the Browns. The Browns are my favorite team, period. No matter what sports team you name, the Browns are my favorite sports team. 
So, of course, they're my favorite football team. Um, also, right behind the Browns would be the Ohio State. The Ohio State. I'm sorry. Uh, football team. And then everything Ohio State behind that. Also, I'm a huge Indians fan. I'm also a big Cavs fan. Used to be a season ticket holder at the Cavs and the Browns. So I'm not some fair weather guy. I'm not some guy that just shows up to say whatever they want to say. I truly, uh, honestly, love Cleveland. I love Cleveland and I love our sports teams. And I would like to see us do better and always compete at every level on every um from every sports, uh, you know, different sport. So without further ado, of course, today we got some Indians news. We got some Browns news. We also have some Cavs news because they've been in the, in the, uh, in the news lately about different, uh, different spectrums, different angles. And we'll touch on a few of those and I'll get into those in a minute. But we also have a big fight that's happening tonight and I'm going to touch on that as well. So I'm going to start uh, with the local stuff, of course. We'll start with the Indians, man. Um, so right now, the Indians are kind of going through a uh, contract dispute with one of their players. And not just some regular player, okay? We're not talking about some fly-by-night player. We're talking about a bona fide superstar. Now, for those of you who don't know what a superstar actually is, because we live in a in a time period where everybody thinks because you got a commercial that makes you a superstar. Uh, au contraire, bonjour. A superstar is sometimes the guy that gets it not just talent-wise, but he also gets it off of the field as well. And they're known and they're seen and they understand it in different markets. Francisco Lindor is that guy. We haven't had on the Cleveland Indians a superstar. Now, before I get any further, it doesn't mean that Corey Kluber wasn't great. I don't know that he was a superstar, though. It doesn't mean that CC Sabathia wasn't great. He wasn't a superstar. That charisma, that that carryover. You know, if you look at Derek Jeter, who's my favorite player, who's played uh, in this last generation, this last era of, of baseball. When you look at Derek Jeter, he didn't have the, 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 the knock-your-socks-off numbers. However, he had a cachet. He had a swag about himself. He carried himself, and he performed at the highest level pretty much at all times. He was a superstar. He was a megastar. You wanted to be where Derek Jeter was. People want to be around Frankie Lindor. So for the Indians to almost assume a position of not being sure of what we're going to do, or how we're going to do it. It's kind of asinine. I put it on Facebook the other day. Uh, those of you that follow me on my personal page, 
I'll probably have to create a page that you guys can follow me um, from the uh, podcast angle. But uh, those of you that follow me on a personal page, I legitimately said the other day, listen, Chris, Chris, Chris Antonetti, please. You say you guys aren't on the same page. You have to find this guy's page because you don't have anybody or anything on your team that's attractive. Figure out what this guy wants and get it to him. And the situation is over. He said multiple times in the in the uh, public, in the media, probably at home as well, <laughs> that he enjoys being in Cleveland, that he wants to be in Cleveland. Hell, that he wants to win a championship in Cleveland. He says, I'm about winning championships. It's not about the money. Just work with the guy. Get him what he needs because he earned a certain amount of that money, by the way. You guys are making a, a crap ton of money. So get the guy some money and let him stay here so we can continue to build a solid team. Let's not act like Cleveland has been devoid of superstars or really good or great players. We've had a, a crap ton of them. I just mentioned Corey Kluber, um, Cliff Lee, CC Sabathia, uh, Manny Ramirez, Jim Tomey, Albert Bell. All of these guys have been these guys and have been those guys. You understand? So we have to give them their credit, but we also have to give them their flowers while they're alive. Why give them why give them a video tribute when they leave here? When they could just always be here. You understand what I'm saying? Come on, man. Go ahead and sign this guy. I don't know what your issue is, Chris. If you're any, I've been a general manager too. Not of a sports team, but I've been a general manager. And trust me, when you're dealing with the day-to-day stuff, there's some things and there's some people that you know are going to make your job a little bit easier. You probably need that guy. Frankie is one of those guys you need. I'm going to ask you to please, please, please ensure that you sign Francisco Lindor, number 12. Also, I'm going to ask Frankie because I want that hat. There's a hat online right now that Frankie uh, has worn. It's $500, this goddamn baseball cap. I'm telling you. I want the hat, but I don't want it for 500 So, Frankie, when you get this money, bro, cut the price on that hat, man, or tell the people to cut the price on that hat so we can move forward, man, because I want it. Cut it to about $35, and I'll take it. <laughs> All right, so listen, we're going to move on to, to some other stuff, but uh, I got a few house cleaning uh, notes and bills to take care of, so... Um, I'm going to get back to you guys in a few seconds. I'm going to take a break. Holler back in a minute. Are you looking to make a lifestyle change for your health and wellness? Try personal training through Renegade Soul. Follow Renegade Soul 216 on Instagram and Facebook. Go to the website, www.renegadesoul216.com. Sign up today for your first personal training session. You're worth it. 
Hey, what's happening? So we're back. Um, thank you for staying with me. So today is kind of a special day in uh, boxing. It's the night of. It's it's uh what's 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 today's date? It's February twenty second. Tonight is the night for uh, the Fury. Uh, Deontay Wilder fight. Now, if anybody saw the first Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight, we all know that it was one of the better fights that's happened in the last, maybe, possibly, within the last 15 to 20 years. Honestly, it was a really good fight. We haven't seen, especially in the heavyweight division, we haven't seen a fight like this in a number of years in the heavyweight division and hell, we may not have seen a fight like this that's occurred in any division in a long time. It was really, honestly, one of the better fights I've ever seen. Um, I was not uh, privileged enough to see it from the beginning because I honestly didn't give Tyson Fury an opportunity to to beat Deontay. Deontay's kind of a wild guy. You know, he's one of these guys that you fight on the street that just talks loud and swings hard. Doesn't mean you can't beat him, but he's a little scary. You know what I mean? So I just didn't see Tyson Fury doing much to upset that balance. And the dude actually showed up and gave me an opinion of him that I didn't have prior to the fight. So... That was in the first fight. I I still kind of feel like the safest the safest decision was a draw. Doesn't mean that it was a draw, but the safest decision was a draw. I'm not sure that Fury won it or did enough to win it when you're the champ. When Deontay is the champ. So I'm not sure that Tyson did enough to win it. However, he did enough to raise an eyebrow or two. So had he won it, I don't think there would have been a bunch of people upset that he walked away with the with the with the title. You know what I mean? So going into Wilder Tyson uh Fury 2, I'm Willing to make my prediction about this fight. I'm going to say the same thing that I said about the podcast and the housekeeping things of the podcast. I'm going to say the same thing about my opinion on the fight. <laughs> because the opinion on a fight is just my opinion. It's just my opinion. doesn't mean I'm right. doesn't mean I know more than anyone else. It's just a feeling that I have. It's a thought that I have. But it's my house. So... You know, I'm willing to throw it out there. Also, being a person that has spent pretty much the last two years straight in, in uh, Vegas. Man, I know Vegas is on fire right now. There's one thing I know about Vegas, man. When it's time to have uh, like that energy about something, Vegas brings the doggone energy, man. Wow. I don't think anybody who's never been there during a big event, because I've been there for a couple big events before. Um, again, I've been there for 
almost two years straight, no working there. And I mean to tell you, I've I've seen UFC fights. I've seen, uh, I've seen uh, comedy shows. I've seen like uh, athlete signings. You know, Jerry Rice has been out there signing autographs. Emmett Smith has been out there signing autographs. Ice Cube, the Ice Cube show. I remember when Bone was out there. Like, there's always a buzz. And even if the buzz isn't everywhere, Vegas has this buzz in pockets that you never can even understand. So, I mean, and, and it's a bigger buzz than any other place I've ever been. So I know that Vegas is on fire right now. Uh, I I was out there during the Stipe fight when he lost. And I caught a flight out there, like, I think on a Thursday or something like that. And, man, that plane was full of people from Cleveland. And Stipe is my guy. I'm from Cleveland. So Stipe, my man, my man, you know. But uh, I caught that flight out there that night, man, and it was just, that plane was on fire. Those people were on fire. And when Stipe lost, man, I, listen, not only could you hear a, 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 a pin drop on, on the Vegas Strip, you could also get into a fight with any Polish person that you decided to get into a fight with. It was it was it was crazy. Saying all that to say, I I you know, being in Cleveland right now, I do kind of miss the the fire that comes from some of the things that happen in Vegas. So before I get into my actual take on the fight, I actually want to touch on something. Um that's kind of a sidebar. I, I there's a few people in in the media that I can't stand, and I know you guys probably don't care. But again, this is my opinion. It's my house. I'm gonna let you guys know about it. Jason Whitlock is a fat piece of shit. Uh, I don't like him. I can't stand him, and I think that there's a better use for 300 pounds of air that this dude sucks in uh, per second. Um. I don't see any use for this particular human being, like none. However, here he is with his fat ass, still living and still asking questions and still thinking that anybody cares about him. I generally don't give people like him any airtime or any reason to believe that I should allow him airtime, especially on my show. Especially on my show. However, I want to address this crap. So, he had earlier this week on Fox, which is a station that I kind of loathe. Um, even though I like Shannon and and uh, you know what is it? The fir- not first. It's not first take. <laughs> uh, Shannon and 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 uh, damn it! Now I can't think of his name. But Shannon's show on Fox, I don't mind. Uh, Shannon and Skip, I don't mind that show too much. It's actually not a bad show. However, I can't stand uh, Jason Whitlock, like, at all. So anyway, Jason is interviewing 
Tyson Fury the other day in Vegas before his fight. And this piece of crap attempts to turn this fight into like this racial thing. Bro. So when people write racial epitaphs on LeBron's house, you basically tell LeBron he doesn't have to deal with racism. He's above it. So what are you complaining about? Okay. When LeBron has a show about, you know, the barbershop where they're sitting in there drinking wine and kind of cursing and dropping N-bombs. And I say N-bombs, meaning saying the word nigga. And I can say that because I'm black as hell. Um, you had a problem with that because that's not what happened in any barbershop that you had ever been in because your dad was a barber and all these great things that this fat ass had to say. So now you're sitting in front of Tyson Fury, a white heavyweight for those of you who don't know. Uh, and you're giving this guy, you're almost forcing this guy to address the whole great white hype, apparently there must have been some racial tensions type of thing. But, bro, you said it out loud. When you reach a certain status, there is no racial tension. It don't meet you at the same way that it might meet me and other folks because you're on a different plateau. So why are you bringing it to this guy? You don't know why you're bringing it to this guy, fatty, because you're a piece of shit and you're full of shit. And that's just it. And that's just all. Is there anyone? I put him, Jason Whitlock, in the same breath that I put that piece of crap who shot Trayvon Martin to me, y'all in the same breath. Y'all the same piece of crap that I can't wait for somebody to just get rid of. Just get rid of you. I hate to say it that way, and I know people don't think that I think this way, but man, on certain occasions, there are people and there are things that we just need to jettison off the planet Earth. So with that said, I'm done with Jason Whitlock, and now we're going to move on to my predictions for this fight. That was my germ roll, by the way. Um, I think that... Tyson Fury will win this fight. Here's why. I just think Tyson Fury is smart. I think Tyson Fury has gone through a fight with this gentleman, uh, Deontay Wilder, before, and I think he will figure it out on his way to victory. Okay? And I'm saying that just as a fan, not as a fan of one or the other, just as a boxing fan. He's seen enough. And I think he'd be smart enough to do certain things the right way. So now I'll get into the certain things that I think that he needs to do, that he has to do if he plans to win this fight. So the first thing that he has to do in order to win this fight 
to not go toe-to-toe with this guy. Now, the toe-to-toe thing is going to happen. It's going to happen. You always have that spot in the fight where you kind of have to mix it up. So I'm fine with the mix it up here and mix it up there type of scenario. You cannot get out of your hookup, though, and end up in a mix it up, toe-to-toe, I'm going to show this dude I'm as strong as him type of fight. If that happens, Tyson Wilder, excuse me, Tyson Wilder, uh, Tyson Fury will not win the fight. Deontay Wilder will. Because that dude has that kind of power. And he'll catch you slipping. And if he catches you slipping, he going to catch you slipping. It's going to be ugly. Okay? That ain't a good thing for Tyson if he intends to win this fight. And if he intends to win that belt. So my thought process is he's seen it. He's done it. He's kind of mixed it up with him. And he may be a little bit smarter for it. You stay back. You tie him up. You lay on him a little bit. He outweighs him by about 30, 35 pounds. You utilize that as your uh, as your advantage. And you just try to outbox the slugger. I've seen that kind of play before. Um, Holyfield did it to Tyson. Holyfield was the better boxer. Tyson was the better puncher. If you play your cards right and actually just follow through with the play because the play is not to take too many shots from this cat you could take some shots and we've seen him take some shots uh tyson fury we've seen him take shots and we've seen him take shots from deontay wilder so we know that he can get back up but why keep testing you know that theory why keep poking that bear just lay upon that dude wear him out and you can get a nice late round TKO or at least a nice late round victory. I'm not sure though if it goes to the cards that Fury will win. So actually two thirds of that, how I have it broken down, go towards um, Wilder. However, I just tend to believe that Fury will do what's necessary, be diligent and follow through with uh was necessary in order for him to win. So uh, we're going to move on to some other things. I'm going to take a break here real quick. Thank you for staying with me, and I'll get back to you in a minute. Holla. There's an important message waiting for you at the Truth About Child Loss podcast. It's a message of heartache and pain, but also of strength, faith, resilience, perseverance, the Truth About Child Loss by The Christian Jaden Project, available now on Spotify. Hey, Cleveland. Back with you. Two guys in the mic. Ron Pierce, RP, your guy. Just wanted to touch on a few things uh, that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, I want to talk about the Browns real quick. also want to talk about the Cavs real quick. Um... Got a few issues with how Coach Beeline was kind of maligned, kind of let go of by the Cavs, um, kind of given up on by the Cavs. I know he probably wasn't the guy for that job, so there's a part of me that doesn't have an issue with him not necessarily being uh, the coach. 
he was an older guy. He, you know, the the, the team was a, a lot younger, so it's easy to just assume, okay, Boomer, you're just past your time, right? We can all say that. The truth is, as out of his element as he was being a, a college coach, he was put in a bad situation. The first culprit in this bad situation is Dan Gilbert. Dan has the propensity to add Michigan coaches to this staff. If we all want to do a little bit of delving, we go back a little bit. He tried to get Coach Tom Izzo, one of the one of the best coaches in basketball, by the way, one of the greatest basketball minds, to coach the Cavs. But Izzo is a small ball kind of guy. He and LeBron was here at that time, and Izzo was smart enough to not come anywhere near uh, Cleveland. He understood that when you're the great and powerful Oz in East Lansing, why do I need to try to go and be the maybe great and powerful Oz in Cleveland when there's already a great and powerful Oz in LeBron James? There's no way that he was going to be able to pull that off. He got that. He understood that because, again, he's one of the brightest and smartest minds in basketball. He gets it. No disrespect to LeBron, but he understood. He didn't He didn't carry that kind of weight. So I think he tried again with Coach Beeline, another Michigan guy, because Dan is a Michigan guy. You know, he's from Michigan. He's from uh, the Detroit area. So he felt like bringing Coach B in here would work because you got a lot of young players. You got a lot of. You know, guys that he's trying to change the culture, so to speak. I'm going to be honest. I don't think anything was completely wrong with Coach B. I think the problem at the end of the day was it kind of, you know, there's a few things. It's kind of layered. So I think the players were shitty. First of all, the players are shitty in terms of talent and in terms of what is supposed to be happening on the court. There's some shitty individuals and some shitty talent on the floor. Excuse my language, but I'm just being real. You have guys like uh, Sexton who, while he averages a pretty good shooting percentage, and he, he's, I think he has the top average on the team, actually, in, in terms of points. But he's a black hole. It's like when a ball goes in, it ain't coming out. He doesn't look for other people. He doesn't try to make the team better. He's just looking for his numbers. And that's never going to work. And so if you're not listening to the coach, and I'm not sure that you know Garland is any good, and hell, anybody beyond Kevin Love, after I, the three names that I've mentioned, I'm not sure it's good. Uh, Seti or Zeddy or whatever the hell you want to call him, he stinks. Tristan Thompson, anybody who knows me on a personal level knows what I think about Tristan Thompson. I said years ago when they offered Tristan a... I think it was a four-year, $52 million contract. I think that balances out to about $13 million a year. And he turned it down. I literally said out loud, I was at the Cavs game because I was a season ticket holder at the time. This dude is insane, and he thinks he's worth more than $13 million a year. He must be nuts. If I were the front office, I'd trade him. And there was a guy in front of me, he turned around, and he goes, well, what would you trade him for? 
I mean, he almost said it like, are you kidding me? You trade Tristan Thompson? So I said, yes, I would have traded him. And he said, well, what would you get for him? What would you trade? I'd trade him for a bag of M&M's. For the last maybe five or six years, this dude has been, when I refer to Tristan Thompson, I don't refer to him as TT. I refer to him as Eminem. He's a bag of Eminems to me. So nobody on this team is worth their weight and nor their contract weight either. So for them to be acting like they're sick of somebody who's pushing them to be better is asinine as hell. It got it has to be one of the worst things I've ever heard of. These guys are pieces of crap. Not saying that Coach B was completely and totally correct because the transition between college and uh, the league is, is definitely steep. So he has to make that transition. I'm just saying, bro, these guys are shitty for that because they ain't do nothing to help this dude. And a lot of this I put at the feet of Dan Gilbert. Dan is, is a fan of – he's a fan of these Michigan coaches, man. He's a fan of him, man. He tried to do the same thing with Izzo, but Izzo's smart, man. Izzo ain't falling for the banana in the tailpipe. You know, that's apparently something that went through out there in Detroit. You you understand. From Axel Foley all the way to, to, to Tom Izzo, we not falling for the banana, which you try to put in our tailpipe. He tried to entice Dan, uh, excuse me, uh, Tom to come, Dan tried to, to get time to come out of East Lansing. He was like, nah, B, I'm good. Best decisions you could have ever made. Coach B, on the other hand, was 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 swayed by that money, man. It's a lot of money, bro. And he probably thought, I got a lot of young players, et cetera, et cetera. I could probably make this work. Nah, you ain't never seen bad players like you've seen bad players here. We got bad players with bad attitudes, which is awful. So, honestly, much luck and prosperity to Coach B. And I just really hope that the Cavs kind of turn the corner and figure this this whole thing out. Also, what are we going to do with Andre Drummond? We got Andre. He's one of the better and most skilled big men in the league. But is he really going to stay here? So, he he. He lobbed his opinion out there about what Coach B was. He didn't want to play for the guy. So I think that was what pressed the gas. He's the new LeBron now here in Cleveland, the guy that the team was going to listen to and decide what they're going to do. Just ain't sure how that's going to work, though, at the end of the day. But we'll see. We'll find out. It's still very, very early in that process because we all know the Cavs ain't going no damn where. Um, let's move forward. I want to wrap this thing up with the Browns, you know, new coach, um, and, and Kevin Stefanski. And, uh, he just rounded out his coaching staff within this last week or so. One of those guys that he added to the staff is Alex Van Pelt. Alex Van Pelt is a former quarterback. I remember Alex when I was in, uh, when I was a younger guy, I think I was in high school when Alex was playing uh, in college. 
He was a quarterback. I don't know that he was a good one or a bad one. He was a quarterback, you know. Um, but he made it to the NFL, and, you know, he kind of made a career of that. And he's been a coach for a little while. So the one thing I know about Coach, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, Stefanski, is that he's been in uh, the organization of the Vikings for a pretty solid amount of time, I think 14 years, 13, 14 years, something like that. And he survived many regimes, but one of the calling cards that he carries the highest is his work with uh, Kirk Cousins. Alex Van Pelt just came out this week and he said that he was going to work on Baker Mayfield's footwork and get him all the way together so that we could see some things change. Uh, so I have a few comments on all of those things. First of all, Baker Mayfield this past season was not that great. He was actually kind of awful. Um, and I think it was because he didn't put in the work, and I think he was drinking his own Kool-Aid. Sometimes when you do those things, you just don't show up like you should because you think, I already got it. I'm good. And that seemed to be um, not the case. Seemed to not be the case. Baker has got a lot of work to do. Um, he's got a lot of things to fix. So I'm not against Coach uh, Van Pelt for assuming or feeling that there's any level of work that Baker needs to work on in the offseason. So work on his footwork, work on his arm work, work on his aim, work on his eyes. Maybe he need contact shit. I don't know. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to go through whatever it takes. I'm not saying that uh, Coach Stefanski is the guy. However, when I look at his track record and that card he's holding high about Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins isn't great. I think Kirk Cousins is one of the most mediocre dudes especially based on his record, one of the most mediocre dudes that play football, uh, quarterback-wise. However, he did play well last year. Guess what? He played well the year before, but he played better this year. And as good as he played last year, he didn't play that good the year before. So it does actually build the acumen and the cachet that you're talking about when it comes to a guy who might improve your quarterback based on your coach. Maybe this guy's the legit truth. And maybe we can get to the spot that we think we can with this guy as our coach, uh, Stefanski, that is, and with Alex Van Pelt if he trusts in him, in which we can correct some of the uh, fundamental flaws that Baker has, and he has plenty, and we can get him on uh, the path of, of getting him right and potentially making this team that much better. Um, so fingers crossed on that. Um, so I'm kind of done with the Browns, and I'm getting ready to kind of end this show. But the clown of the week. I can't say that we'll always have a clown of the week, but this dude made sure that I started – my first podcast with a clown of the goddamn week. And it just flows perfectly into this segment because he's an ex-Brown. 
Mr. Greg Robinson. Now, I did some reading and I tried to figure out what he was doing or why he was doing what he was doing. I can't figure it out. But I'll give you a little bit of the backstory. Greg Robinson has been an offensive tackle for the Cleveland Browns, uh, mostly left tackle since Joe Thomas has left. And we tried some other folks there and then we ended up signing him. He worked for, he worked solidly for a year or so. We brought him back. He wasn't as good this last year. Now he's a free agent, so he's not quite a member of the Browns, and I don't think the Browns are going to re-sign him. However, since everyone in the media is attaching him to us, I shall address the situation. So, again, I've done some reading, and I can't figure out where he was coming from or why. But they stopped him in El Paso. But apparently, I thought he was coming through Mexico from El Paso. But I read something that said he might have been driving from Cali across the country. Let me just, I don't care what he was doing or where he was coming from. If he was coming from Cali, it's even dumber. Because recreational and medicinal weed is legal to grow it in California as well as Nevada. Uh, And I think in Arizona as well. So you have to be a stupid mofo, uh, Mr. Robinson, and your friend Quan Bray. Um. You got to be out your goddamn minds because you can just grow the stuff. Now, I've worked in cannabis for the last two, two and a half years. 157 pounds of weed. 157 pounds of weed is what he was found. Uh, Greg Robinson and uh Quan Bray were found with, right? And I think they said Quan Bray had about uh, $3,100 on him at the time, okay? So, here's my issue with that. Again, bro, I don't know if you understand or not. But you, sir, could just grow that weed. 157 pounds of weed. Again, I worked in the industry and we had a 10,000 square foot building in a in one grow, like in one harvest, we would have something close to 100 pounds. So, this dude just harvested. I don't know where he got it from, but that was a pretty solid harvest. And If you just do the regular math, just a simple math, if that weed is anywhere near good, man, that's like, that's close to $320,000. That's a good, that's a nice haul. The problem is, dum-dum, you don't have to carry that kind of money, or excuse me, that kind of weight across the country. There's several states in which you could probably just invest that same level of money into your own situation or someone else's 
to get your money out of that while they do it legally. The only thing I can equate this to is getting fired on your day off for stealing boxes. Thanks, guys. I'm out of here. That's my time. I appreciate your interest. I hope that you have more. Shout out to Kinsman, Warrensville. Shout out to the wife. Shout out to the kids. Love y'all. I'll be back. Holla. Thank you for tuning in to Two Guys in the Mic. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your love. Stay tuned. We will keep you posted on episode number two. Thank you. Holla back.